Hey guys, when I was LDS, I believe that all people lived in a pre-existent state. That means the individual person, that I had a spirit that looked like me, and it existed in heaven before I got this body. And that was the teachings of Joseph Smith and those who came after. And so they believe in a pre-existent, a pre-mortal existence before mortality. And the LDS leaders taught that the decisions that a person made as a spirit person in this premortal existence determined the life they would live here. What that means is they would say uh, back in the 50s and 60s and 70s when I was active, their apostles would say things like, if you look at the third world countries who are suffering in poverty, it's because all those, and they would say this, all those Chinamen, they, they in the pre-existent state, they, didn't, they weren't faithful. They didn't do what they should have done. Look at all those South Americans down there in, in Guatemala suffering. That's because when they were spirits in this pre-existence, they didn't do what they should have done. And of course, that carries over to all people of color, including black people and, and things like that. They did something to inherit the life that they live. When I became a Christian, and understood, began to understand the Bible a little better, I was under the impression, this was my Christian perspective, that God personally molded every single individual human being to be exactly what they are. He gave them their attributes individually, and then he would decide what they would do. Now, that is really a romantic notion of this life, isn't it? We, we typically impute that upon God, that he, he created me to be Sean McCraney, one and only, and I have my ways because God made me that way, and I then have done what I've done because God predestined me to do them. That is a very general, uh, there's divisions between it, but very general assessment. So I thought that God then micromanaged everything, creation, to the point that he created Hitler and Pol Pot and Prince Charles, respectively, and placed them on earth at that time to do what they would do through the skills and talents or lack of talents that he gave them. That's what it led to in my mind philosophically. The view made God responsible for determining the outcome, not only of all of our existences, but also determining the outcome in this world. I soon learned when I started to study theology that this view, very Calvinistic, um, made God the author of evil the puppeteer of all human beings, and the one who decides whether someone goes to hell or not. That's what it amounts to. And the view is not in accordance with the God I came to see as I sojourned through the Bible uh, more frequently. I came to see through Scripture that my understanding of this despotic puppeteering predestinational God had to change because in the face of it, I was destined, no pun intended, to see every human being as God making them pro-athletes or subjecting them to poverty 
or letting them be physically and mentally ill. Uh, and it was a direct resort, a result of his hand being involved to this extent. And it forced me to ask, how come Baliway down in India was born without eyesight, lives in poverty, and uh, has not been given the skills and talents of Elon Musk or Prince Charles or anybody who seems to orbit in the upper echelons of intelligence and therefore in terms of money and fame and all the rest that comes with it. The determinist response, the Calvinistic response was, well, his ways are mysterious and he's sovereign and all we can do is accept his will and that's just it. That's, that's pretty much what it will boil down to. So I soon begin to see that this very nice idea to think of God fashioning each and every one of us and equipping us with traits that will help us succeed or fail um, only work if we assume that he is simultaneously the three O's. He's omniscient, he's omnipresent, and he's omnipotent. He's all-present, he's all-powerful, and he's all-knowing, okay? Those are the three O's. We don't find those words in Scripture. We find those words created by men to summarize what they believe is us, uh, what the Scripture says. If God created Prince Charles to be and do all that Prince Charles would be and do, and if God created Jeffrey Dahmer because he, he created Prince Charles to do what he did, which we see as good, I guess, in some uh, circles. And if he created Jeffrey Dahmer to be and do all that he would be and do, and if God does this with every single one of us, then we have a God who micromanages the earth and its inhabitants and determines events and outcomes, and we're nothing but deterministic puppets. There's the, the bottom reality of it. Anyone who preaches Reformed theology has to come to that conclusion. So then I turn to the Arminius view. That's in opposition to the Calvinist view. And I considered God and what he was doing, who is said to know everything still and still, still said to be omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipotent. The Arminius say that, but... He's in control of everything, apparently, in the Arminius view. He chose to make human beings. He's all-knowing. He still made human beings with an all-knowing perspective of creation. And he did that knowing that they would not have the capacity to choose him. And that they most would not acquiesce to faith and so he created them knowing that they would fail to seek or receive him. And he made them anyway, knowing that few would be saved because few would hear. And that most would, uh, uh, because of his respect for free will, he doesn't impose upon them because he respects their free will. But he created all of them knowing that in their free will, they were going to fail and then they were going to go to hell too. That's the Arminius view. That doesn't work either with the overall picture of God. The Calvinist view fails. The Arminius view fails. If God knows everything, he's one of the, he's the three O's, and he does things knowing 
that they are going to result in utter misery and failure for most of his creations. So I had to get to work and really throw thought at it and pray and study the word and wait for insight, which is what I want to share with you now. Perhaps, it's a perhaps, but instead of the romantic notions of God omnipotently creating each person individually and determining all that they are, all that they will be, all that they will do, endowing every individual with talents and purpose to their lives to live out according to his established plans and, and all that he does, and it's going to end up with them going to hell or going to heaven. Perhaps there's another view that works better than that, or the Arminius view that he did it all the well knowing that they were going to fail anyway. And it's neither Mormon, it's neither Calvinist, and it's not Arminius in nature. Suppose we see God, just let your imagination go, it may be wrong, as a landowner of five trillion acres, flat, flat acres. Of in, okay, and this God allows berries to grow on that land freely. And those berries represent the human race. They started off with one plant, berry plant, and from that plant, two people came, two berries, Adam and Eve, and that, through their reproduction, all five trillion acres are now inhabited with berry plants that came from the first plant. The wind blew their seeds or however it was germinated out into that. And all the plants now are there growing up. That's the natural, mechanical, material way God has allowed the human race to come forward. It has nothing to do with him creating each of us and de destinating it. It has to do with he left the natural order of the human race by multiplying and replenishing the earth to come forth. And we now in this modern age sit at God looking out over an entire five trillion acres of berry bushes, all producing human beings. Got that in your head? He kick-started the human race through Adam and Eve. Then suppose God let the human race just grow. And over the ages, it produced generation after generation of more and more and more human beings created in his image. Perhaps we can see God not as creating every single berry and assigning those berries traits and characteristics, but we see God as letting the human race come forward through natural, material, genetic, nurture and nature means that he really has no hand at all in what is coming from those berry uh, bushes. He is letting nature take its course and he lets genetics play their course on some berries that will be deformed when they are born and some that will be born in a certain part of the three of the trillion acre land that come from uh, darker skinned people, females, males, lighter skinned, different cultures. It's all came up. It's all come about naturally. Okay. In this way, every human being 
Every berry is the result of different factors that have played into their creation. Just like Cain and Abel, the first children of Adam and Eve, were the result of them uniting physically and creating children. And Cain and Abel were the result of those factors. I don't believe uh, God created Cain to be a murderer and kill. And I don't believe God created Abel to do it. I think that by natural means, that's what they did. This better describes for us why human beings are born healthy and defective, born intelligent, extremely gifted, or limited in intelligence. This helps us explain in a reasonable way that God is not forging each berry and giving each one a nature and, uh, and putting them in a nurture to create the parameters of their person. No, let's just say that God allowed the human race to genetically become what it is by virtue of the mechanics of materialism. Now, let's also suppose that God broods over this, these trillion acres, his spirit brooding over those acres, watching as the berries mature of their own right and seeing which berries show propensity in certain areas and not. And those propensities contribute to the makeup of that berry. And that's, let's suppose that God, in the face of all those natural factors that contribute to the makeup of each berry, he begins to interact with that crop, listen, according to their individual construction. That God says, wow, I've got a very intelligent berry coming up over here by virtue of all the factors that created them materially, I am going to use that intelligent person and all their natural capabilities and factors to do something to help bring about my goodwill on the earth. It has to be freely. It has to happen naturally. He can't force it. He won't force it. He's a good God. In other words, God did not create the berry to be deformed. The berry came forward deformed not from his hand, but God uses that deformed berry depending on that berry's individual heart on what it will do. And depending on the direction that that berry decides it wants to go based on its nature and nurture and the things that go on here. So I see God as being someone that all berries can call to because he's always calling to them. Believe on me, believe on my son. I see God as being there, ready to support every outcome of the material makeup of this world. But I don't see him anymore as being the one who independently designs and creates. I see him as sustaining and supporting and, and encouraging and loving all of them, calling to all, but using the different people, the different berries in different ways. God did not create a deformed plant. 
That was the result of the factors that played into the uh, their that plant specific uh, construction. God calls to all plants, deformed and not, and to, He says, "I will strengthen and support you in the face of what you are, whether you're super strong and capable or deformed and broken." Perhaps God has very little to do with the good or bad people uh, a personally possess at birth. Perhaps Dahmer was defective at birth. Perhaps Elon Musk was greatly blessed through all the mechanical means of, of nature and nurture, uh, so to speak. But like a landover, a landowner over all the berries, uh, he doesn't cause the outcome. He responds to the outcome. That is the way I start to have started to see God now. He's in a place of responding to the outcome of the material world that he created and set forth. Suppose in the face of all the naturally occurring factors I just described, one of the plants is a killer with all the traits to be a serial killer. And God didn't make that person a serial killer, but perhaps God works on that person to receive him. And that person receives him and the world escapes the clutches of someone who could have been a serial killer. Perhaps somebody, uh, six, uh, perhaps he is successful in rerouting the direction of some plants that come out defective. And obviously he isn't able to influence all. That's why we have a serial killer still, but perhaps a great percentage of the, of the crop has been influenced by his spirit. Same thing with those who are born with supreme intelligences, artistic temperaments, mathematical skills. They are the result of the nature that God allowed to happen. He is there depending on all the innumerable factors to use their skills and to bless them and the world at large. And he does that in his economy of, of governing this space. Perhaps the enemies of berry plants, disease and rot and, and drought and infestation of birds will play a part in the development of the berry, perhaps not. But in the end, every berry that is born to the plant is used or dies will admit that there is a God. And they will not have a leg to stand on if they want to point at him and say, you unjustly created me. You unjustly gave them a lot of traits that were good and I didn't have any. No, no, no. Not one tongue will be able to wag at God. It will be seen that he is absolutely just and benevolent and that he did more to bless everybody the worst to the best than less. Something to just cogitate upon. This week, love you so much.